Reads you're in the spitting section. Be careful. Be careful. Uh, Luke chapter 7. That is where we've been at the Gospel of Luke. We're going to jump into verse 36 through 50 today. Before we do so, I just wanted to bring you up to speed on a few things uh, that uh, just affect the life and community here at North Shore. And uh, for some time, we've been talking about the process in this journey of eldership. And uh, so back in March... Some of you remember where it took some time just to bring our biblical literacy up in regards to eldership requirements and calling and different things like that. And uh, because we sense God is saying it's time to add to uh, the, the leadership, the servant leadership of this church after uh, hitting our one-year mark. And uh, so... What we have, uh, we mentioned at that time a process and what that would look like. Uh, we went to the Sending Church, which is Christ Church Kirkland, and I presented some names of candidates, uh, potential elder candidates to the Kirkland elders just to get feedback from them. And uh, also, we talked about the biblical pattern of apostolic involvement in terms of appointment of elders in a local church. We see that time and time again, either Paul himself as an, as an apostle would go and appoint the elders or there would be apostolic delegation uh, on their behalf that would go and do that. And so what we did is we contacted uh, Randy Howard, who oversees the um, KMI uh, for the western half of the United States and invited him to come up and be a part of that process as well. And so this last week I met with them. Uh, you know, in this process of trying to discern who is to be elders and, and all that, uh, it's personal and it's emotional, right? And so that whole thing can be challenging. And that's why I think, you know, the Holy Spirit in his divine wisdom uh, has the apostolic involvement and others involved to help bring a greater level of objectivity so it doesn't become a popularity contest and, and all that. So presented those names and what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to present to you those names. So I brought them to the apostolic oversight and the sending elders and uh, for confirmation and then I'm bringing them to the congregation this morning for affirmation. And so we're going to take a two-week process and we are going to uh, pray together as a people. We're going to ask the Lord to bring any clarity. It gives two weeks opportunity for you in the congregation to say, you know, I've, I've got some concerns or some questions about this and that. And, you know, how come this or whatever about those specific three candidates? If um, there are some concerns, maybe you know that they worked with the CIA in the past and they've been involved in some dark stuff. So we want to know that information. Come let us know. But this morning I wanted to introduce those candidates to you. And uh, these are not elders yet. Again, we're presenting them to the congregation for affirmation. And then on June 15th, uh, God willing, there will be an elder installation during that Sunday morning service. And we will install those as elders. So I would like to ask Glenn Rogers to come up here. And I would like to ask Don Walker to come up here. 
Dean Hale is away on assignment this morning. He's at Christ Church uh, Monroe, and uh, he's there helping to present for kind of like what we did last week with the testimony report about the trip to Kenya. So he's out there helping that. So Dean Hale, Don Walker, Glenn Rogers, and these are men who are, um, I believe, that not only meet the requirements, which again, requirements are what? They're for every Christian follower of Jesus Christ. So the requirements are not something of a superior race or breed of any kind. But um, the issue comes down to, do they meet the requirements? But the greatest issue is, are they called? And that's what we're trying to discern in this process is the issue of calling. Now, in terms of these three men, um, to me, with our church, this is a small eldership. Again, we talked about that, that if we're not interested in mission, if we're not interested in releasing the power of the Holy Spirit, if we're not interested in having elders in the gates of our cities impacting our communities and different things, then we don't need elders. But if we do, then I I think we need a a swelling of elders in terms of a a larger team and all that. So we're going to be building toward that. Once this eldership team is established, you notice we're a little bit older at this point in time, but, um, what's that? Yeah, except for this young buck behind me. But, uh, what we're, what we're looking at doing is that, um, we're praying into that once this eldership is established, that in the fall or the winter here, that, uh, we would begin to, um, make an invitation to others to come and sit with the elders and learn and be a part of that and discern, okay, we're, those would be, you know, men who we see that are, are call or excuse me, meet the requirements, but are also called. And, uh, so that will be a process of learning together, uh, in that process. So we're excited about that. And we're looking at, um, you know, God drawing in some, some younger men in particular, uh, but not, uh, delegated to that or specific to that. So anyway, these, these men who stand before you, again, in addition to Dean Hale, are the candidates. We're asking that you would pray. Next week, uh, we'll give you two days. Uh, next week, we'll announce two days that we're going to call the congregation to prayer and fasting. And uh, so two days, we're asking you to do that. Again, biblical pattern for appointing elders. They call the people to that. And we will all want to join and be a part of, of that process. So please pray for these men about them. If you have any concerns, come and talk with me. Be more than happy to, to share with you and uh, receive any concerns. All right. Can you guys give them a hand? Also, uh, want to mention uh, just something that we're looking ahead to, and that is that uh, we are are praying into, and, and as soon as you know we establish who's going to be part of this eldership team, uh, we want to uh, we want to really pray into and establish, or looking to establish in September, uh, home groups. And uh, of some kind, life groups, community groups, we don't know exactly what they're going to be called yet, but we do know that uh, we, we want to have, you know, team leads in those. So it's not just, you know, based upon one person or a couple people, 
or, or a couple, but um, team leads in that. And we're gonna, they're, they're going to have a lot of flexibility to meet what, you know, wherever, whenever. Can be morning, evening, different times in the evening, and we're just going to post those different things. They'll be on the website and, and uh, in in paper form to get those out to you, so that you know exactly where they are. But uh, we're looking, praying into um, those who would like to lead home groups. You have a passion for that. I've talked to a few people already, and they said, "Man, I just would love to be a part of a team leadership." Uh, to to lead a home group. So please be praying with us. And uh, we believe this is an absolutely important part as we see in the book of Acts, uh, the life of the church, life of the community, where people can really grow outside of just the gathering on Sunday. And uh, so we're we're excited for that. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right. We're ready to jump into the text this morning. Holy Spirit, total and complete dependency upon you. Uh, Show us what you desire for us to see. We bless you, Lord. Your word is powerful, divides between soul and spirit. Holy Spirit, open our eyes just as we were singing this morning to see you. Not to see even our circumstances, but to see you. Amen. Amen. Let's look at this starting in verse 36 of chapter 7. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to come to his home for a meal. So Jesus accepted the invitation and sat down to eat. A certain immoral woman heard he was there, brought this beautiful jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet. She wiped them off with her hair. Can you picture this? Can you picture this scene? Maybe even try and put yourself in doing something like that. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. I want you to notice something here that we see throughout the Gospels is that wherever Jesus is, there are sinners. Wherever Jesus is, there are sinners, and they are welcome. They're always near one another. When the Pharisee, who was the host, saw what was happening and who the woman was, he said to himself, this proves that Jesus is no prophet. If God had really seen him, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus spoke up and answered his thoughts. Doing the mind reading thing again. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. All righty, teacher. Simon replied, go ahead. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people. 500 pieces of silver to one, 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both. 
canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Well, Simon answered, I I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, Simon, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss of greeting, but she has kissed my feet again and again from the first time I came in. You neglected the courtesy of of even olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who does this man think he is going around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I recently uh, took a step of faith. Went to the store at Nordstrom's, which I, sorry, Levi, I rarely darken the door. But uh, it's a little too spendy for me at this point in time. So, but I, I went in there and I was looking for something very specific. I was going after this fragrance, this perfume for Lisa. She's up for Mother of the Year Award. I don't know if you guys were aware of that. Five kids, homeschooling, all the rest. And uh, so I wanted to make sure that as May 2nd here, as we celebrated our 16th anniversary, yeah, that, uh, and, uh, but I, I just wanted to, to bless her so much with the combination with Mother's Day and everything. And I got this fragrance and some of you will recognize it. It's called Flower Bomb. And that's because flower bomb is this explosion that happens when a man looks at the price tag. It's like, boom, and you're just like, say what? Are you kidding me? But it was, it was so worth it. I, I actually, I had Jaron with me. I'm like, Jaron's smelling. We're smelling all these fragrances. And he's like, Dad, definitely go for that one. Definitely go for that one. So we brought this home and, and, and gave it to her and just this presentation. Well, she's just been, not that she didn't smell good before that, but she's been smelling amazing uh, ever since that time. And, uh, but this, this woman, we don't know who this woman is. So we're going to call her Miss Flowerbomb. We don't know her name. We know Simon the Pharisee. We know Jesus. But we don't know her name. We know her occupation. That seems pretty clear from the story. Cast of characters, we got Pharisee, good-intentioned people, caught up in religion. Many of them holding people to a standard that they're not willing to adhere to or live to themselves. Often attempting to control people, manipulate people, and just hold this thing of the law over them, this legalism. Right, do you know, do you gotta do this, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. Miss Flowerbomb. Looking for love in a lot of different places. But she hears this rumor 
she hears this rumor about this true love, this pure love, this man. Jesus, of course, he's the one sent from heaven. He's still just getting onto the scene. So people haven't quite figured out. They're still trying, you know, and we've been asking this question. Who do you say that I am? Jesus is asking this. We're going to get there. Who do you say that I am? You, 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 you see the things that I do. I'm starting to, you know, perform these miracles and, you know, touch different, different ones. And, and uh, people are being impacted. The crowds are getting bigger. But he's continually asking that question, who do you say that I am? He's getting a lot of different kinds of answers. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. It's difficult to do so, but try and think of life without forgiveness. I mean, just think about that for a minute. For some of you, you you've, you've not been walking with Jesus. You haven't known Jesus that long. And so it's for some of you, there's a stark contrast between the, you know, the before and after Jesus. It's like before I was married, you know, single life and, and all that. And now I'm married. I can remember that. I was older. But I, I had an encounter or experience with Jesus when I was younger. So it's difficult for me to kind of make that distinction. But try and imagine life without forgiveness. If you had to carry the weight of your sins, of your wrong choices, of your offenses against the one who created you, and those that you live with, never knowing resolve in a conflict. Can you imagine that? Pilgrim's Progress, next to the Bible, the most printed story known to mankind. Christian on his way to Celestial City, he's carrying this huge burden. It's got these, you know, talons or uh, just things that, you know, gouge into his back. And I don't know if you've looked at that story before. You'll have to go check it out. Beautiful things about the walk with God. And he's carrying this massive burden because he hasn't experienced forgiveness. What would we do if we had no ability to be forgiven or to forgive others? Many live in this immense burden of trying to forgive themselves as well. This is controversial but in, in the church today, but there's nothing in Scripture, nothing in Scripture about us forgiving ourselves. What is it? There's only about us believing and receiving the gift of forgiveness of Jesus. And of course, we receive forgiveness from others. But it's a living hell to live in that place of not of wondering, am I forgiven? Religions all around the world, millions and billions of people who flock to these religions are living under this weight of, does my God forgive me? Islam, Buddhism... They're, they're never knowing if they've done enough, if they've performed enough, if they've done enough to appease or, or please or satisfy the demands of their God. What a contrast Jesus is. 
God sending His Son to come and be with us, to touch us, to live like one of us. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. See, but we grow up hearing the stories and, and, and all that, and, we, and we, we, we become very familiar with them. Become very familiar with Jesus, with God. This Samaritan man, or excuse me, the, the, the Pharisee, Simon the Pharisee, what did Jesus say? I, I came into your house. And you're just like, take a seat, Jesus. Man, he's grown up. He's a Pharisee. He's been, you know, in the presence of God. He's gone to church probably all his life. Studied the word. But he's become familiar. God isn't, isn't impacting him the way that maybe he once did. So where David says, restore to me the joy of my salvation, that freshness, that alive. Marriages need that too. You know, those tune-ups of, of, wow, I mean, going to Kenya, I came back again. I'm like, oh my word. I, you know, I'm over there. I'm like, how can I, I, I can't live without you. It brought a freshness. It took away the familiarity. Sometimes we need to get out a little bit, you know, and then we can... Gives our marriages like that wow factor again. Colossians three thirteen through 14. You must make allowances for each other's faults. Forgive the person who offends you. Remember... The Lord forgave you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And the most important piece of clothing you must wear is love. Love is what binds us all together in perfect harmony. There are a few things more central to the gospel than forgiveness. The forgiveness of sins, literally the obliteration, the, dis, the, the destruction. I, I, God says, I don't even remember them anymore. I cast them away from me as far as the east is from the west. So these three characters, Simon the Pharisee, we have the familiar. In the woman... Flemish flower bomb, we have the forgiven. And we have Jesus, the forgiver. Jesus is leading this man in a pathway of discovery, isn't he? Those who are familiar, we have two different camps, the familiar and the forgiven. And he's trying to restore to this church guy the wow factor. Restore it again to, to, for him to be able to say, oh my goodness, You're the one. That's what this epiphany, this awakening that people would have as they encounter Jesus. Some of them Pharisees and studied the law and in the presence of God and the temple and all the rest. And then, wow, they see him. And all of a sudden it clicks. This is the one we've been waiting for. This is the one the prophets have been talking about. This is the Messiah. 
Not only that, but he's attempting, Jesus is attempting to help his church heal, to be able to see the Miss Flower Bombs and the Mr. Flower Bombs of the world. Because this attitude as he despises her, the way that he sees her, he's just, you know, this identity that he's putting on her about who she is, just based upon, again, some of the behavior that she's had. But he doesn't recognize his own need for God. And she, the one who he is despising, is in total, in, he's in total touch with her need for Jesus, for forgiveness. Something that she has been carrying for a long time. She's been the one that's outside the church who, who hears, you know, about how the church people talk about those on the outside. How they relate to them. They're the outcasts. Oftentimes people outside, they don't think they're welcome. That's why by and large churches are very small across the United States in general. They don't believe they're welcome. They see the church gathering, but they don't experience the church going. They don't experience the church reaching into their neighborhoods, into their homes. This woman discerns rightly that Jesus is the only source. The only source of forgiveness and grace. Luke describes this immoral woman She was likely a prostitute. She lived in a very male-dominated society. Women were viewed mostly as property, objects of pleasure. Of course, this this isn't just something that was back then. This is very dominant in the world at large today. Basically, any culture or society where Jesus is not valued, women and children are not valued. Heard a unbelievable story when we were in uh, Kenya. Pastor George Makamwanda, who ministered here in October, he was in his office studying. He heard screaming. He went outside, and there was a man who, in the Muslim community there, who was, and this isn't a thing a Muslim just happened to be. I'm not painting a picture of all of them in this for sure. Um, but uh, he was. They live right there in a central area, and the, and the man was, was pulling up his pants. Three-year-old girl right there. Pastor George calls the police. He had just finished having his way with her. And he calls the police. The, the man was irate. He said to him, his response was, what do you, how could you do this? How could you call the police? This is what they're here for, for us to be able to do with what we want. This woman has, that was described here, Miss Flowerbaum, she has been used, taken advantage of, abused. It's probably the, one of the reasons why she got into this whole lifestyle in the first place. This perfume that she would use is something that she would use to cover her bed as she was seducing men to make the money that she needed to live. She had heard rumors about Mary Magdalene. 
Mary Magdalene was one that Graham, Re, uh, Graham White, when he was here a couple weeks ago, described. These women, they would work together and they would talk a lot, I'm sure, about their experiences. And Mary Magdalene, I'm sure, came and shared and she said, this man is different than any man I've ever encountered before. He didn't want to take anything from me, but he gave everything to me. He gave me life. He gave me forgiveness. He gave me hope. He healed. He forgave. He forgave. He forgave. This woman approaches Jesus cautiously from behind. There was nothing perverted or distorted. But you know his feet were so filthy. Even Jesus as a man had nasty feet like anybody in that day with sandals walking around in the dirt. She comes with the very thing that she had used intentionally, sinfully to seduce other men now became the thing that she was going to anoint her Lord with. She was making an exchange. There's so much more there than just this expensive perfume because what is the most expensive, most valuable thing that we have as human beings? She was bringing her heart. This broken heart saying, I need you to heal me. Think about the woman with the issue of blood. Twelve years, twelve years, she had been crying out to God. Twelve years. Think about relationships, addictions, anything like that that people are asking. Pain that they've had, chronic pain that they've had for years and years. Crying out to Jesus, Lord, please have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Forgive me. What, this, what Simon the Pharisee, the church guy, failed to recognize, she saw it. Right before her is her rescuer, her Savior, her Messiah, the one who would accept her, love her, and heal her. Her faith saved her. Knowing Jesus isn't the issue. Knowing about him isn't the issue. But receiving him, receiving him, believing he fully accepts and loves us is what heals that root of unworthiness that we all have. This isn't a picture of some elite sinner that was really super good at it. It was just somebody who was actually in touch and could see themselves and their condition in light of the holiness of Jesus Christ. In light of the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And he removes from her her unworthiness because then she is clothed in his forgiveness. We're not worthy. Jesus is worthy. We become worthy as we are in Christ, covered by him. She had been exposed before. Now she is covered by the love of her life. Ephesians 3 says, May you have the power to understand how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love really is. But 
may you experience the love of Christ. Then you will be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. This woman truly experienced Jesus coming before him. I think maybe she intended maybe just to pour out her perfume. And then she was so overwhelmed that she began to touch him. That she just crying, weeping, just tears flowing down, wiping his, her hair. She could care less. This is the heart of a worshiper. The heart of a worshiper. Lavish, extravagant worship. Some of those powerful pictures of a woman who just doesn't even care. A person who doesn't care because she has touched God. There's a, I'm going to ask Lisa to come up here with me. How was she able to be healed? She came to Jesus, desperation. She was bringing whatever faith, the amount of faith that she had. Didn't say she had a lot. I'm sure much of it was spent. You know those times where you just feel like, I I don't even know what to do. I've got nothing left. And she brought her sin. She brought her victimization. She brought all those things. First John 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins to God, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from every wrong. Does it say there that if we keep confessing our sins and forgive ourselves that He would forgive some, maybe hopefully most? All. All. Completely washed. Completely forgiven. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I want the band to come up because we just want to take just a couple minutes here and just minister together. And I, I'm actually going to I'm going to I'm going to sing a song over some of you. Jesus is drawing us. He is drawing us. But he wants to deal with some things this morning in most gentle and beautiful way just like with this woman Jesus final words were go in peace this is only possible by first responding in faith believing and receiving Amen. go ahead babe. I love in this story when she is uh, anointing Jesus' feet they say that surely he can't be a prophet because he would know who this woman is. And I think in Jesus' mind, he was saying, you're right, I'm not a prophet. Because a prophet can only see who someone, what someone's done. But Jesus was so much more than that. He knew what she had done, but she, he saw who she really was. And he loved her and accepted her. And his love made her whole. He wasn't a prophet. He was Messiah. I love in that culture for someone to be able to approach a priest or go into the temple. They had to make themselves ceremoniously clean first, and then they could go in. And Jesus at that time was one of the most significant religious figures of their day. 
She didn't have to make herself clean first to come to Jesus. He came to her. He sought out Mary Magdalene. He came and rescued her where she was at. And his love is what made her clean. So, so many carry shame, unworthiness, roots that are still left unhealed. And we feel like we have to make ourselves different and then that thing can be healed in me. It doesn't work like that. We come to Jesus as we are in our stuff with all those things that are still holding on. And we say, Jesus, just love me. I just, I receive your love. That's why he said your faith has made you, has healed her. It was by her faith because it's one thing for Jesus to forgive you. But you have to believe that he forgave you and receive that forgiveness and let him love you. So often when we read the word and we hear these things, we have this little yeah, but in our heart. Yeah, but this and maybe someday that. That's that's the thing that's blocking his forgiveness from making you whole. So as we sing this song, picture yourself like her bringing that perfume. I love that that perfume was used for her sin and it blessed Jesus so much that she would bring it to him. That's how fully accepting of us he is. And as we sing to him, bring whatever that is and love him and let him love you. It's really that simple. I just want to invite you to stand, sit, lay down, whatever. Just receive from him. I spend myself, I'll give anything for you. I'm pouring out my job, brokenness in your Touch your love, I'm broken too. Laying out my heart to be under with you. I cherish you now. I cherish you here. I delight myself in you. I cherish you. Cherish you now. I cherish you here. I delight myself in you, Jesus. I cherish you here. I cherish you now. I cherish you now.
Just like this broken woman, you give freely to all of us. We receive total and complete forgiveness. We say, just as you did on the cross, let it resonate through the, through the, the thousands of years. It is finished. It resonates in eternity. It is finished. It is finished. Lord, take this moment and multiply it in our lives. From this day forward, that cherishing, that complete and total acceptance that you have for us. Thank you, Lord. We delight in you. We delight in you. And we all declare in the name of Jesus, amen. 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 Have a wonderful weekend. If you want to just hang out, we're going to play for just a little bit longer. If you want to come up and just just here at the altar, where you're sitting, wherever. Otherwise, have a great weekend. We love you. Family camp signups.